Frequency 18, 36, 4, 82. Armerium, Vox Eterna. The Strangeman's No Access Radio. Episode 3. Estrangement. Listeners, as prophesized by an all-knowing broadcast schedule posted on the back of a long-forgotten Denny's, the Strangeman's No Access Radio has returned. I have recently been informed that this radio station broadcasts everywhere throughout the association, and that includes the Mantis People habitat that we've been attempting to cut off from the real world so that they never learn that they're in an enclosure, or else they might take notice of us and build up a desire to feast upon our delicious feet. So now I have to read this legally mandated notice out for the Mantis people to continue the absence of human-Mantis people relations. <clears throat> and here we go. Great, now that that's done, you might be wondering. Wait, Mantis people? I didn't know we had Mantis people in here. Full disclosure, we found them just a couple months ago in the Kinalabu National Park, and, of course, we captured them. For science. And, by the way, Manus people, not what you'd think they'd look like. Like, Manus head, but with massive arms. Like, hulking biceps, incredibly hot legs. Like, wow. Like, I probably wouldn't date a Manus person, because I'm a human person. But if I was a Mantis person, I have to say, we've got a lot of good options up in environmental research. Also, if I were a Mantis person, I'd be the one eating the head in the relationship. But anyway, that brings us to today's topic. The anomalous semi-humans we've got locked up here. You know about people. There's a chance that there are people in your room at this very moment, most likely talking to each other, engaging in meaningful conversation while you sit in the corner, listening to me describe your tragic, lonely life, out loud, right now. Now, the thing about people is that they are not immune to becoming anomalous, like the objects we talked about some two-ish weeks ago. Some can be born strange or supernatural, like the hot mantis people we were just talking about. Or they can be created, like some of the robots we have here. Or they could be people who actively made themselves spooky, like Michael, who got turned into what we call a bone hive, because he ate some bugs that looked a lot like chocolate eggs. We here at the Strangement Association have decided that it would be best for us if we put these anomalous individuals in tiny cages, and poke and prod them to see what they can do for the continued pursuit of science, and the benefit of the wider community that are not allowed to know about them or reap any benefits that we may find. Now, some of these people have free will, which is pretty inconvenient, but gets even more inconvenient when they have the power to back themselves up. So we've created a system of categorization so we know which of these people are dangerous and which people are not. And to make sure you're all prepared, I will not explain any of the system, because it's boring. Let's start off with an easy one. Ricardo Alatra, age 15, male, born in Anzacuobay, Madagascar, object class WAP, captured in 2009 in Dallas, Texas. Rico appears to be an average, healthy teenage boy, except he has a number of unidentified mushrooms growing out of every orifice of his weak little flesh body. 
The mushrooms growing on the outside of his body appear to be similar to many different breeds of fungus, such as the white button growing out of his ears, porcini growing out of his skin, and the death cap growing out of the corner of his eyes. However, when cutting some of the specimens off of Rico and examining them further, the fungus DNA appears to vary wildly between the real mushrooms and the ones growing out of Rico. Certain mushrooms growing out of his body that are typically not poisonous in the wild can be used safely in cooking, which has saved us a lot of money on food for the cafeteria. Although we don't tell the staff about the fact their mushroom broth grow out of a prepubescent boy because they tend to get really weird about it for some reason. Rico himself likes to hang out in dark corners of whatever room he's in, and whenever outside, he'll chill out under trees for hours until allowed back into his room. Which is a cell, by the way. It is unclear whether the mushrooms are affecting Rico's behavior, or whether he's just a bit moody. When questioned about the mushrooms growing out of his body, he appears very dismissive, brushing off questions about them in many interviews by saying, Oh, yeah, you know, it's probably a puberty thing. Dad said I'll grow out of it, eventually. Rico has no recorded birth father. If Rico stays rooted in place for too long, the mushrooms on him will begin to spread and grow around whatever surface he places his body against. We're unsure of what might happen if Rico was allowed to develop in one spot for too long, so we've taken the safe option of just keeping him under constant surveillance and having a flamethrower guard around him at all times with a flamethrower. So yeah, he's treated just like any other employee here. Except he isn't paid. Just like every other employee here. Met the kid once, kind of a brat, but is nice enough. You get sort of weirded out by the mushroom thing quite quickly. I mean, you just can't stop staring at his fingernails sometimes. Moving on, Mike Rawlings, age 54, male, born in New York, America, object class, principal. Mike Rawlings was a rich guy who owned stakes in many high-class businesses and owned many different companies and was invited to many high-class events and was featured in Forbes 2004's article, Billionaires to Look, he was rich and he had money. Well, not anymore, but we'll get to that later. When interviewed, Mike claims that one day he decided that it would be a great idea to turn himself into solid gold. And so he got some top-level scientist to figure out if this was like a metaphor or a joke or if he did actually want to be turned into solid gold. After being told that Mike was being really serious and half of the team left because that was kind of impossible, the remaining staff got to work on it. And apparently, all it takes to turn your body into solid gold is a lot of money, a philosopher's stone, an electrical engineer's stone, and a copious amount of Angry Birds merchandise. However, the ritual was left incomplete due to someone forgetting to download the Angry Birds Rio app and only Mike's right arm was turned into solid gold. We picked him up about a week after the incident. He had tried to continue living his normal life, and it actually kind of worked. He never really talked to his wife and kids much, so a total shutdown of communication actually improved their relationship. In fact, the only reason why anyone noticed that his hand had turned to solid gold is because during an interview with the Daily Press, he went up to one of the interviewers and said, Hey, do you want to check out my new Rolex? So we took him in slash grabbed him off the street, tricked him into signing a contract that gave us full control over all of his businesses and assets, and threw him in a cell. You know, the usual. Actually, speaking of which, there's a raffle on right now to see who can take over the elusive business front department, after the department had been run by absolutely no one for the past 15 years, after the previous head was unpersoned and shall no longer be referred to. The business fronts have been going well. We have a grocery store one that acts as a bit of a hideout, so we observe what's going on in Glasgow. 
Also, it's nice to get money from selling normal things like corn, pants, meat, handballs, handbags, Mike's hand, etc. Brings in enough money for fire extinguishers around here. Not full ones, though. <laughs> what are we, made of money? Mike was partially, but all we needed for that was a swift chop to the shoulder. <laughs> uh. Continuing on to our next dude, Emily Vance, age 26, born in Shrewsbury, UK. Object class, Spooklid. Now, I did say born just a few words ago, but I'm pretty sure that's not entirely accurate. I think the correct word might be hatched. Emily does look and act like a normal woman of her age, except for the fact that her insides are actually just a lot of red tentacles piloting a skin puppet. And every so often, whenever she's hungry, she'll unravel herself and horribly and indescribably kill people. With lasers. All the evidence points to her origins being with the Let's Do Science A Lot gang, a hip and fresh street gang that did science all over the place. They made inaccurately accurate dinosaurs, human mantis hybrids with no nipples, and several flavors of Monster Energy Drink. However, their fated organization collapsed after... doing science too much. A dire lesson we should all learn from. Anyway, we've tried locking her up in her cell, but she can usually slip under the door, so that was out of the question. So our current plan is to train the writhing tentacles inside her. It's going very well. Oh yeah, we've got another raffle for the next person who gets to tame the tentacles after the last one was lasered indescribably. My bet's on Steve with his whip. Alright, looks like we've only got time for one more. Dennis Brosmond, age unknown, born in unknown, object class, egg beater. Now, we don't know what this guy's deal is. All data on him just keeps getting deleted from the files, but we found a tape from the association's head therapist that I'm pretty sure explains everything. Some may ask, therapist? We got a therapist in this place? I gotta get me some of that therapy. And to be clear and to crush your dreams of happiness, we have a kind of therapist. I mean, we have one on staff, but she only comes here once in a blue moon, and we never really hired her? She just came in here one day and started doing therapy on one of the researchers, and we're honestly too scared to ask her to stop. So I got a therapy tape here, I'm gonna play it now, and head off for an early lunch. Therapy session for Dennis Brosmond regarding his... Uh, vanishing when people look at me. Right. Session date, March 28th, 1983. Recording in Site 85 in Mexico. Now, when did this start? Uh, about three years ago. I was walking down the street at... Well, I don't really know where anymore. I don't really know a lot about myself anymore. Maybe I just suddenly appeared that day. But I'm pretty sure I had a life outside that moment. But now I guess it's just more people to forget about me. Please, stick to the story. Right. Gotcha. Anyway, I was walking down the street when a man ran right past me in the opposite direction. He seemed crazed and scared and hopped up on adrenaline, I think. I probably would have just forgotten about him if I hadn't just turned the corner and saw the thing that guy probably attacked. It looked like a normal person and it was writhing on the ground wildly, but not in a way that you'd expect a normal person would. Like, the limbs would just bend in the wrong ways or spin violently at the joints. And beside him was a rusty pipe caked in a grey slime. The same grey slime that was oozing out of where the wounds were supposed to be. The quantity and runniness of the ooze gave the distinct impression that the thing, this strange man, 
was just a person-shaped bag that had been punctured. I can't remember much about it, but it had a hat, an old-time Ebola one on its head, that just wouldn't come off no matter where he flailed his body. I was unsure whether I should help it, but before I could even process what was happening in front of my eyes, it grabbed onto my wrist and I... I felt... I felt like I was being eaten, like gnashing jaws were biting in the air, desperate to catch a prey, any prey, and I just wandered blindly into its maw. But I'm not sure anymore. I guess that's the closest approximation to what I think happened. But I can't remember anything I feel, it's just impressions. Ideas, but not the thing itself. I managed to pull myself away from its grip. Its hands were cold and lonely, and I ran back to my flat. The next morning, my landlord knocked on my door, and when I opened it, I was gone, I think. One moment, I was opening the door. Next moment, I could see my landlord walking back down the hallway. It took me a while to figure out what was going on. Describe what it's like to disappear. Well, it's not disappearing that I do. Or at least it doesn't feel like it. It's more like I'm there, and then I was never there. I stop being... But from my perspective, it's not just here one second and a quick jump in time. I feel those wasted seconds. I experience nothing. I become nothing. Yet I'm trapped in that moment as I wait for myself to return to the world. And what's it like living with this condition? Lonely. But I'm not sure if I'm supposed to feel lonely or forgotten. Whenever I try to talk to people, I always end up dropping out of the conversation entirely. They keep trying to figure out where I am and find me, or at least where I would be if I were real. Sometimes I couldn't be here for entire days because I went out in public. I found myself in a city once, at night, right before the rush of people. And when I was finally real again, it had been five months. Five months of doing things, of being here, five months of my life, my existence, my everything just gone. And it's not like it's any better here. I mean, everyone around here understands that they shouldn't look at me, and I can have some pretty interesting conversations. In fact, I think I can say I made some real friends. But I'm stuck here. Nothing to do in this cinder block cell. Couldn't even talk to you without you wearing that blindfold. Look, I just want to know how to make this better. How to make everything better. I, I just don't have any reason to go on. I'm fading from this world and I need to know if you can help me. Please. What can I do to stop being so alone? Yes. Have you tried slicking it up? What? Have you tried growing a pair and stopped being so sad all the time? Excuse me? Have you tried exercise? Look, are you just here to screw with me or- Shut up. What? 
Thy palest, bluest moon, my rights belong to yours. My world, which desired to trap me here, will not succeed for it. It is the palest, bluest moon, which uh, severe Excuse me. I have to go. What? Hmm. I guess just because you only come down once in a blue moon does not mean you're a good therapist. Uh, is anyone listening? Probably not. Well, if you are listening, Jock will be back very soon. I'm just filling airtime, I guess. <sighs> I mean, who goes off in the middle of a broadcasting session to grab lunch? Hey! Uh, what you doing there? Look, you're out for a bit at lunch, and- I know, I had some Celsco Meso. It's Macedonian. Alright, well, the tape was just about to finish, and I didn't think it would be a good look just to have dead air on the radio, so- So you decided to make noises into the microphone. Well, yes, I am the producer. You can't just keep treating me like one of your assistants. Well, that's cool, but I need to wrap up the show. Sure, fine. Also, listen, we were meant to get through a lot more anomalous people in this broadcast. We only have so much time. Okay, so? So tomorrow, when we're doing an episode, you need to be more concise and on topic so we can get through everything I've prepared for you. Yeah, yeah, sure. Look, it's all about flair. Entertainment. The people aren't going to listen to 20 minutes of descriptions of teapots and gold people. They want comedy. A relatable personality. A bit of spice. Sure. Whatever. Just... Do your job. Rude. Alright, so listeners. People. How do you feel about them now? The people in your room? It could be a lot worse. Right now they seem like an alright bunch when compared to these freaks I was just talking about. But are they people? You should probably check. Are they actually talking to each other or making talking adjacent noises? What do their eyes look like? Are they blue? Red? Green? Are they even eyes? How did they get into this room? Did they walk through the doors? Did you invite them in? Were they always there? Is it even your room? Are you scared of what these people might do if they weren't the people you thought they were? Do you want to leave the room? Well, too bad. You can't. There's a raffle for that as well, and you haven't put your money in it yet. So pay up. Thanks again for listening to the Strangeman's No Access Radio, and remember to baptize all CPR dummies, just in case and tune in for all the information you'll wish you could forget. Good night. This episode of The Strangeman's No Access Radio was written, edited, and directed by Lachlan Millard. This episode featured Bronte Thompson as Holly Greenwall, Lachlan Millard as Dennis Brosman, Tara Francis as Moon Therapist, and Ryder Gavin as Jock Tuckabee. Thanks for listening.